0: I also find I have this amazing chat before the podcast begins and then the podcast yeah. begins and it becomes like the toned down oh. really vanilla version of what they just said and I'm like can you not just say what you just said yeah <laughs> that's that that's our target right don't but get dull yeah. let's hope record. that doesn't happen today exactly. Let,
1: let's not get dull And welcome back to Attention Seekers, the podcast from Performance Marketing World, where we get to know who's seeking attention in the industry and how they're doing it. I'm Lucy Shelley, Multimedia Editor at PMW and your host for Attention Seekers. And today we are talking all about the Super Bowl taking place this Sunday and the highly coveted and ludicrously expensive ad slots that feature in between. And with us today to decipher the ads, talk about what to expect this year and where the previous winning ads are now, we have John Evans, Chief Customer Officer at System One, the marketing decision-making platform and host of the Uncensored CMO podcast. Hi, John. Thanks for being our attention seeker this week. How are you doing?
0: I love this. Um, Can I just check something? So everyone who comes on, do they qualify as being an official attention seeker? (gasps)
1: It oh, it used to be one of Is my like favorite first questions. Yes. We <laughs> like have blue a blue pizza.
0: Like we used to oh, yeah, go on yeah, the yeah. show, get like a blue pizza badge. Oh yeah, I'm we have our,
1: our merch. You're going to get it in the in the post later. Yeah. You can, I am <laughs> an attention merch. seeker. You get a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> attention yeah. seeker t-shirt. So are you an attention seeker?
0: I, do you know what? I would reluctantly have to say yes. I, You know, I I oh, think it's one of those things be. that... Well, no one, no one probably wants to say they are. <laughs> but um, but if I look, if I if I look at how much I enjoy talking to people, how much I love what I do, and you know how much I want other people to listen to it, I probably can't say no. <laughs> so <laughs> nice. I think I qualify.
1: I think you do. I think you do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, it's always great to have another podcast host on the show and I never actually know whether that makes it harder or easier for myself but ho- hopefully I'm gonna have, be- I'm gonna
0: have to resist asking questions now I'm sorry this is gonna be the thing I know well this site. is the
1: thing I'm just gonna sit back and think well I've got a <laughs> go. seasoned pro here so yeah my job's done now <laughs> <laughs> but let, let's let's get into it in your recent podcast episode with Bob Hoffman which I listened to last week which is fantastic you talk about how advertising isn't really that strong of a force and that not many people see it or or really care but it's the quality of the creative that is getting the attention and so I wanted to ask how does this relate to the Super Bowl Um, you know one of the most expensive ad slots around and I think this year's CPM is priced at seven million dollars for a for a 30 second ad slot how effective are these ads really?
0: I, I love that question. And look, I've I probably got a point of view that might be different to most people's because when you go, it costs $7 million for 30 seconds, right? Now, obviously you're going to sit there and go, that is just nuts. I mean, in what planet are you on to for, for that ever to make sense sort of thing so you kind of go well maybe it's only the richest brands in the world they're just doing it for indulgence and mm-hmm. it's almost like a big kind of oh look how big i am that i can be on the super bowl sort of thing um but it, it did get me thinking and, and look at system one we we test like the emotional response to advertising right so mm-hmm. we, we we basically want to find out do people like enjoy the ads do they remember the ads and, and does that make them go and do something as a result of seeing it? So I think we've got lots of great evidence to suggest why that's a good thing to do. Um, and of course, the Super Bowl is like the one time where everyone's talking about the ads, probably on Christmas, right? I mean, over Christmas, mm, people go, oh, yes. did you see the John Lewis ad, right? Well, in America, the Super Bowl is kind of like that. You know, it's the one time where the nation gets together, they're having a good time. And I, I, I once was lucky enough to actually go to the Super Bowl uh, back in 2010. Oh, wow. And, And I have to confess, actually, and I feel (laughs) so bad. I did not understand like football in America, American football. Right? It's not the same as here. No, no. And I, I went with a colleague who was like a super nut. Oh, no. And he was he was literally talking me through. And he was like, John, you know, the whole point of the game is to move 10 yards within four goes. I'm like, really? Someone invented a game. Where two teams are fighting over ten yards of grass, and you've got four goes to to get there. You if You don't, like the, you lose the thing. The
1: worst person to take to, a, to I awesome well, it. I know. Well, it
0: was, it was one of those things. I got the invite through. I was working with Pepsi at the time. I got mm. the invite through, and and I kind of thought, oh, this is amazing. I didn't want to say that I'd never been to a game. I'd never watched a game. I didn't even know how it's played. I felt awful about it, so I had to sort of go along and pretend. And fortunately. Um, a brilliant colleague of mine was 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 really into it and he kind of talked me through it mm-hmm. but you know the thing the biggest take out for me actually was not the football right the, the American football the football was sort of a distraction because actually the it's about 10 hours and it's it's mm-hmm. a it's the biggest wow. entertainment thing you've ever seen in fact there's there's probably more sport played at Glastonbury than, you know, at, at, at the Super Bowl. It's, it's just bizarre. I feel for the football players, because they must feel like kind of a, hang on, hang on, when do we get to do our thing? You know? Sort of. I know, this but is no, about us. <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. We, we played our entire careers for this moment, everybody. And like, you know, we're, we're, not, getting, we're yeah. not getting the attention, you know? And, um, and this is the thing, right? So what I, also realized about the Super Bowl is it's the one time where everybody watches the ads with great anticipation. So I suppose it's, it's. well, you look at the $7 million and you think, is there any other way where 90 million people in America could all see the same ad, talk about the ad and get you noticed? And and I, I don't think there's anything that compares to it, but I suppose the other aspect of it, and this is where the system one test comes in, is there's on average 80 ads Plays during the super bowl so you have got 30 seconds to stand out amongst 80 ads right now that
1: mm. yeah
0: right that's really hard so um so what we love at system one is because we test each ad and we test it like within an hour of it airing we get this league table going which ad's been remembered and which ad's been liked the most which is really good fun and the most fun about it is the ads that everyone talks about on social and not necessarily the ads that the general public really likes. You get this weird sort of like, when, I'll give you an example, right? Mm-hmm. Last year, cryptocurrency brand Coinbase. I right? love their ad. Do you remember absolutely. that? It's fantastic. I, I, love, I was like, how disruptive. Right? And the thing was, it wasn't 30 seconds, it was 60 seconds. You're talking 14 million, right? Oh, my gosh. 40, and it, yeah, and exactly. It 40,
1: and it was the same it the was a bouncing thing, the barcode the bouncing, um, for 60 seconds right
0: yeah 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 now i
1: didn't realize they at, did 60 seconds that's a I long know. time to see something i know
0: around. i know you're like hang on a minute you know surely like people get bored by now and um you know i, I kind of grew up in the 80s and i kind of remember those kind of graphics on my computer screen so yeah. the nostalgia was going off like nothing else and look i admired it as a stunt and apparently when people then went to the website the website crashed because of you know so much interest um but, you know, Coinbase uh, valuation now is 99% down versus where it was at Super Bowl last year, right? Mm. They've had a hard year. So what, you know, what that, that ad did for them in the long term, and this is what System 1 measures, is is not a lot. And in fact, that was the lowest performing ad in, of the entire 80 ads we tested last year. So it's just, it, it's surprising sometimes, you know, the difference between what gets talked about and what actually delivers long term as well as short term? Because he did a great job short term, but long term, you know, everyone's forgotten about it, and the business is in a different place.
1: Do you find with the many friends you have in the industry and the, the guests you've had on the podcast, and suddenly you're ranking all their ads? Some of them call you up saying, "Oh, John, bump us up a bit." <laughs>
0: <laughs> it does get awkward. It does. Do you know what it does? I you got know, you got a decision to make. And I guess when you work for a company that ranks advertising, it can mm-hmm. be a bit awkward. And and look, I made a decision rightly or wrongly, that I would try and do my best to celebrate what works and focus on that. The only time that I don't take my own advice, and I have got criticized for it, and I understand why, is when Can Lions happens every year, right? Because suddenly everyone goes completely bananas and celebrates advertising that in some cases, and I'll I'll use my words carefully, in some cases hasn't always connected in the same way with the general public. So Mm -hmm. I do occasionally get my, you know, get my backside kicked by people when I sort of call out some of the ads that we're all talking about. But do you know what the general public didn't think were that great sort of thing? But anyway, um, generally, 99% of the time, I'm mm-hmm. out there to celebrate the best. And also, uh, the people I have on the podcast are usually the people that have done the great work that we can learn from. So, so my job really as the host is just to go, what can we all learn from this mm-hmm. amazingly successful ad that, uh, you know, that's done so well? <laughs>
1: Let's get to know our attention seeker this week a little bit better. And so, John, can you tell us what has been getting your attention this week?
0: <laughs> ah, right. I'm oh, hi, going here. We to, go. <laughs> I know. Well, look, I'm going to try and connect some themes together. Right. So this is my my attempt to make this a seamless transition here. M and Ms have got my attention a lot more than they should have done, right? Do you know it's funny how things get under your skin and you're like, why do I care about this? You know, sort of thing. But yes. M&M's, you know, the spokes candies, right? The, the, yeah, the yeah. beautiful, the cool characters. They've been around for a long time. They evolve like every character evolves and they get updated. And Mars decided to, I, I don't know what, what their strategy was, make the characters a little bit more diverse and a little bit less. One was in high heels, for example, and they, they made her heels flat. And, and remove any sexualization, I think, if I can say that, right? Which mm-hmm. is a bit of a weird thing to be saying about a, a character. Um, but it's relevant, right? And I'll tell you why it's relevant, because Tucker Carlson on Fox News went on a big rant about, surely it's okay if I fancy the one with the high heels. It was something like that, right? It was. Yeah. Now, I'm sure he was making a joke, and it was more a reflection on the sensitivity that some brands have to how even a character can be construed as a political statement, right? Now, this is why it got under my skin, because Mars decided to put out a big statement saying they're replacing the Spokes candies with a celebrity for the indefinite future. Now, the reason it got under my skin was because like in, in the work that I do, we, we value and measure different brands, advertising, innovation, characters, that sort of thing. I know for a fact that the M&M's characters are like one of the most successful characters that have ever existed and we've done so much work to prove that those characters drive uh, awareness, they drive emotion, they drive memorability of their advertising. In fact, they're one of the most successful Super Bowl advertisers of all time. Really? Yeah. So to hear that they may not be in this year's Super Bowl. Well, look, I'm suspicious, right? And sorry, i give you a long answer to your question. No, now.
1: no, no, that's not right. We're, we're all
0: right. Am, I am 99% certain they are playing with us, right? Because I think this is a stunt for Super Bowl, right? They know how much those characters are loved and they're pretending to be outraged by this Tucker Carlson guy and going, well, if you're going to, you know, sexualize our characters, we're going to take them off air because that's not what we're here to do. I think it's a stunt. I think on Sunday we're going to see the characters back and it will all be some big joke. My um, conspiracy theory hat goes, there's no way a company as good as Mars would ever actually cancel a, a character as successful as that over just some political thing, right? I'm yeah. certain of it. But what if they are? I'm like, <laughs> what if they actually have done? So I, I'm sat there weirdly nervous about Super Bowl going, am I going to see the characters? But am I right or am I wrong? So I started out being 100% certain going, it's a stunt, everybody. Come on, wake up. It's a stunt. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, you, you're all missing it. I keep on saying this on LinkedIn. And then and then I'm like, I'm going, I better be right. Yeah, yeah I
1: know. It's suddenly <laughs> so, in, in seven days time, you'll be like, ah.
0: Yeah. Well, there's, there's this wonderful book actually from Jenny Romaniec, who's uh, works at Ehrenberg Bass Institute, that do mm-hmm. a lot of marketing science work. And she's written a book called Distinctive Brand Assets. It's all about basically the power of having, you know, thing, characters that stand out and so on. I said on social, basically, if if they do cancel it, I'm delivering a pallet load of her books to Mars head office and, and getting the marketing team to read up on nice. what they've just done. So I'm also going, Lesson. that's not cheap, right? So if I'm, if I'm wrong, <laughs> <laughs> you're going you're gonna to see me kind of like pushing a whole load of pallet of books up to some head office you know, mm-hmm. over at mm-hmm.
1: Mars. But I also want to um, ask about System 1 prioritizes three Fs, fame, feeling, and fluency. That's right. And that is, I've done my research. I like it. You
0: have. <laughs> Gold star.
1: <laughs> well, thank you very much. Um, but yeah, so I mean, so with, with the relation to the M&M's ads, how, how do these three fit in? Why are they successful according to these three? Almost,
0: almost perfect, actually. And, and the reason being is that it's based on some work by a guy called Daniel Kahneman that wrote this amazing uh, book called Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow. And what it showed is, is that we buy things based on three, he calls them heuristics or three sort of models, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The first one is if we feel more positively about something, we're more likely to buy. Now, Bob, in fact, in my episode talks about this. And like our job as marketers is make people feel good about Mm -hmm. our brand. And if you think about it, like most of the decisions you make in life are, does this make me feel good or not, right? So it's one of those incredibly simple things that turns out to be very true when we we measure marketing. So yeah, first thing is feeling, do I feel good about it? Um, The second thing is fame, which is, again, actually Bob also refers to this as well, is have I heard about it? Now, this is interestingly where the Super Bowl comes in, because Mm. what the Super Bowl does, like nothing in the world, is make you famous now, for good or for bad, right? You might it might go two ways. You know, like the, the Oatly ad, I don't know if you saw the Oatly ad last year, was incredibly irritating and rubbishly produced, right? So personally, I thought that's not the fame you want. But anyway, mm-hmm. but people are talking about it, right? So the second thing is if people are talking about something and and you hear other people talking about it, you're more likely to buy it, right? So yeah, again, yeah. fame is 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 a good predictor of success. The third thing, fluency, is just um we are inherently lazy human beings, and there is way too much choice in the world, right? So you're most likely to choose the brand that comes to mind quickly, even if it's not the best. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you, you know, we do surveys all the time. We will do surveys on well-established brands, and they'll be the ones that come to mind quickly. Not, they may not be the best at all. In fact, they may quite obviously not be the best, but they're the ones people have heard of. And therefore, when you're under pressure, time pressure, and you've got to make a decision in two seconds, you go, oh, Yes. I've heard of the, you know, this one, Yeah, over that yeah. One. It turns out those three elements together roughly predict about 85% of a brand's success. And, you know, it changes over time. But brands that have got, you know, some brands have got loads of fame and not much feeling because everyone's heard of them, but they're not that good. Mm-hmm. Or there are some brands that are up and coming that like everyone thinks is so cool but not everyone's heard of yet because they're at an earlier point in the life cycle.
1: I'm guessing that then affects their fluency then as well. If, you know, if people don't, Yeah, so they...
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, exactly, you know, you exactly right. So one of the big hacks, and weirdly I'm going to get back to M&Ms now, right? One of the really big hacks for any brand is you need to be fluent. In other words, you need to be easy to be remembered. And so like M&Ms, you've got those cool characters that look like the chocolate themselves, right? The different colors and they're round they are perfect because they bring to mind M&M's for you without anyone saying M&M's, right? You just see those characters. You don't need the brand. You just see the characters and you go, ah, that's come to mind quickly. And that, as we find out, is really important. So so yeah, those three things, it turns out, are uh, really critical to success.
1: Because that's the interesting thing, especially with the um, Super Bowl as well. We're talking, you know, you talk about System 1, about getting a, a positive emotional response, But the ads that are, or the marketing in general, that is mostly remembered can be for the exact opposite as well, which I also find really fascinating because it's which one has more of an effect or more of an impact. Which one do you remember more? Because I think I'm probably a bit of a, I I love a tragic story. I probably remember the bad ones better. Yeah, no, you're right.
0: They both have a role to play. There's a couple of interesting things in that. So firstly what we find is that the negative emotion is more likely to lead to short-term response so if there's a disaster appeal and you want to raise money for a you know a fund or something Mm -hmm. it's quite likely you're going to lean into negative emotion because you want people to feel strongly and you want people to feel the sadness and so on that, that that evokes and therefore you're likely to act in the long term though The model predicts that the better you feel about a brand, the more likely you are to buy into it. So if you've built up negative emotions, it may work for you in terms of a short-term tactic. It may get you clicks. It may get you response. It possibly doesn't build your brand over a long period of time. So you need to do both. Now, there's another little nuance, which is... The very, actually a good example from Super Bowl, it will keep the theme.
1: Cody, you're doing my job for me already. It's just...
0: My my job here is to link, get a Super Bowl theme link all the way through the questions. We'll see how I do. Okay. The um, three or four years ago, one of my favorite ever Super Bowl ads, and it's statistically one of the best we've ever tested, was by Microsoft. And that's surprising because, you know, they're, they're selling kind of computers, which is not a particularly interesting category from an emotional point of view. However, they did this amazingly moving story of a disabled boy who was using this, this game controller that Microsoft had created. And I tell you the bit in the story as a dad myself is you got the dad and he, he's literally in tears going, he isn't disabled when he plays. And it's just like you got, oh, my word, you've just got a massive human truth out mm-hmm. there about how technology can make people in a disadvantaged way feel normal. I'm like, oh my word, that is so powerful. Yeah, And um, it was, yeah, it went off the scale. Now that's a difficult subject and it's a sad subject, but the way they pivoted from the sadness in the ad to going to ending on a high with happiness and Microsoft being associated with the positivity man, I thought that was just nailed. Mm-hmm. I was just like, okay. So just like any good movie or a book, you kind of need negative emotions, don't you, to create the story, like, mm-hmm. you know, the light and the light and the shade and the ups and the downs. They're the things that hook you, keep you in. The trick I suppose is you want to end on a high. Because if you end on mm-hmm. a high, your association with the brand is going to be a good one. Yeah. So that's probably the hack.
1: I mean, yeah, you're completely right there. It's all stories, isn't it? We and we all love to absorb stories, take them in every day. So let's let's get a, get another story out of you, John. And can you tell us a time where you have done something completely ridiculous for attention, or maybe even conti- entirely necessary, even?
0: You know when you said up front, am I attention seeker? Right. This is going <laughs> to absolutely nail that coffin <gasps> so tightly down that um, anyone who thought I was even deliberating is going to just laugh at this point. Okay, oh, right, okay. Um, I, have, I have to take you back a while. Buckle right? in. So this, buckle in. This is going to be part history lesson <laughs> and part tragedy, part, oh my God, did you actually do that story? Right, so we go, we, ladies and gentlemen, people listening, we take ourselves back to 2002, right? A long time ago, but yours truly was a young, up and coming junior brand manager, right? So I was in my first job as a brand manager which means i know nothing right <laughs> and i'm just i'm lucky that i didn't get fired when you hear what i did because oh and i must say lots of love to fiona and john my bosses at the time if they're listening um anyway i was working on this italian liqueur brand called Amaretto. Mm-hmm. i don't know if you know it. it's Definitely. in a like square bottle it smells of almonds right it turns out Almonds are a particularly important part of this story. So let me tell you for why. So uh, uh, Disra Amaretto is liqueur brand, Taste of Almonds and so on. Now, I had this as a young lad, this what I thought was a game-changing idea. So I was working with a team um, at the London Underground. To, you know, when you go around the Underground, you see all the posters and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. This is the com- media company that owns all the poster sites. Mm-hmm. And... They're always looking to innovate what they do. And, and I, I met them about six months before our annual campaign was due to launch. And I came up with this idea and I said, you know how in Sainsbury's or any supermarket for that matter, you walk in and you get that bakery smell, even though the bakery's at the back of the store, you can smell bakery yes. at the front yeah, of the store. Yeah, you yeah, know that yeah. thing, right? Oh, i love like that. that that's a trick. And, and apparently they pump the bakery smell into the, into the air at the front of the store oh, to get you to go to the back in. of the store. Yeah, I know. This is a hack, right? So you go past all the offers and then you buy the two for ones. It's all, it's been designed like that. When you realize these, these kind of things, you're like, can't see a store layout, the same thing again. So anyway, so I, I was inspired by this insight. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be great if when I do my advertising campaign in the London Underground, it's worth knowing, by the way, most Easter get sold at Christmas, right? 80% mm-hmm. get sold in like two weeks before Christmas. I'm going to pump the smell of amaretto through the London Underground. So Like, you know, when the, the tubes are going in and out, you get all the waft, you get all yes. the yeah, air yeah. going up and down, right? Imagine if you could smell it as well as see it, right? Wow. And then I was going to go one further, right? At the top of the escalator, we have these cute mini bottles. And I bought 50,000 of these cute mini bottles and there'll be little bags, right? And this is Christmas as well. So, you know, feeling festive, right? So you'd go in the underground, you'd see the Sirono advert, you would smell the Sirono and then you would get the right? So I'm mm. thinking, and London is where most of my sales were as well. So I'm mm. like, this cannot go wrong this is going to be like this is going to be written about in the marketing textbooks as what an amazing <laughs> 360 degree integrated campaign you were now, ready
1: to be the youngest ever most i was water.
0: i was buying my dj i was ready <laughs> to go to the award show i was gonna like do the lap of honor you've got the suit prepared <laughs> i had i had my speech thank you to my parents i got i got one thing horribly wrong no. so and this is where context is everything this is the history Lesson, I have to tell you very briefly. So, in 2002, uh, we were about to go to war with Iraq. Okay, Saddam Hussein. Apparently, according to a fake dossier, that this is all very contentious at the time. Um, we discovered he had chemical weapons. Right on the Monday that my campaign goes live, the Home Office prints a warning to the British public to expect a terrorist attack on the London Underground. The number one thing to look out for is cyanide cyanide smells of almonds <laughs> uh-huh
1: got 9 a.m
0: monday morning i go live 9 a.m monday morning all the newspapers in the country go watch out for cyanide smells in the underground which by the way is a bit of an almond smell
1: <sighs> that is the worst luck
0: i know i know and people thought I'd just decided that morning. I'm like, come on. I was like, are you kidding me? I've been planning for six months. I didn't know this was going to happen. Like, oh come on. God. So that week, the, the, you know, have I got news for you? Like the comedy show where they go, yeah, the story yeah, of yeah. the week is, right? So I was the story of the week. They're going, you know, <laughs> you know c- can you work out what happened in this story? Yes, and, you made and, the and, news
1: somehow, I guess. I
0: know. I, I was in the Times at the weekend. They had, th- they had like quotes the week. They had JFK, they had Tony Blair and they had me. And I was quoted as, I didn't write the quote, by the way. I was quoted as saying, clearly, security concerns come above marketing, which is why we've just taken the decision to stop advertising in the underground. It made the national press in Italy, right? Seriously, it made oh the national God. press in Italy. The owner of the company was on the phone and it was, by the time it got there, it was, uh, brand manager wastes 1.5 million pounds in in stunts mm. that brings down the underground and causes complaints and blah, 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 blah. Something. All I'd actually done is I'd just turned off the almond smell I was going to say, was it a quick That's trip? all right, yeah, the rest... The rest of it was fine. There was a quick fix. I got a phone call. The weird thing was, and this is like you can't make it up kind of stuff, the London Underground said, John, just ride it out. The news story will go on and tomorrow it will be something else. I'm like, really? I'm like, that's really? okay for you. For they oh said that. God. They said, I know. I'm like, if people knew you were that roughshod over your kind of like goms, I'm like, honestly, oh this, is, this is bad because I'm about to lose my job here. And then um, we had our internal marketing you know kind of town hall thing mm-hmm. the end of the month and then i i was like brand manager of the month and they wrapped up this uh this uh, this book which was like marketing 101 and wrapped <laughs> it up in the newspaper coverage <laughs> you know because there were there, there were there were stories like um when marketing goes wrong like yeah. whole half page articles in the independent in the guardian in the times how to in the really mail. fuck it up <laughs> i mean i had it like every newspaper had written the story in a different angle and I was the butt of the joke, you see. I genuinely thought I'd never get to do marketing again. So the fact that I'm here is evidence that you can survive even the worst moment of attention seeking.
1: That, that is some real, what a story. Do you, I should say, was... by the
0: way, sales went up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that's what, that's like what I was saying earlier. It's, you know, it's bad press is good press as well isn't it and mm-hmm. what was it like walking into the office that morning
0: honestly I was it, felt what
1: was what were you feeling was it panic I, was it I mean
0: massive massive panic thing is when when you're starting out like that you're desperate to prove yourself mm-hmm. you don't want to make mistakes and you know you want to you know you want to learn but you have so much kind of respect for authority and your peers and you just feel so dumb and in, in one sense I'm like I I remember actually on the day it happened I was away at a trade show I was was kind of working the stack because when you're at that level you have to kind of go and sell Mm. some as well as market it so I was there selling at some Christmas trade fair Um, and and my phone rang and it was like 15 voicemails it's like hi I'm from the Times I'm from the Daily Mail and, I, and you, you start to really panic going oh what has happened you know yeah. what I mean now I'm in a different position the conversations that might have happened behind the scenes about me might be different to the conversations that happened in public because in public yeah. everyone gave me a hug and were like laughing it off I just I would love to be a fly in the wall to see if behind the scenes There was any call for me to get fired. I know, yeah. That's the thing. Your
1: your bosses having a chat, thinking, "What are we going to do about John?"
0: Uh, Come on, (laughs) crisis talks. You know, emotion like early in the morning, right? Which which way do we go on this one? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, you're making my heart race just imagining myself in that position. So let's move on before I.
0: Yeah, can we end on a high? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah,
1: yeah. Let's move on to our ratings section of the podcast which is what we well what you think is overrated and underrated in the industry so i'm gonna let you choose which one you'd like to start with and you can tell us what you think
0: well uh logic is end on a high so i will start with underrated if i can now i think underrated on this is one... a good one though no Oh, sorry, overrated. Yes, you're right. Sorry, I need, to, I need to pay attention. to unders and overs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you're absolutely right. Overrated. We'll start with overrated. Yeah, good, good shout. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get myself into trouble with a lot of people now. I know. I'm gonna go with personas, mm. and yes, I know because I know this is a thing, and the, I tell you for why. Right. So, I think personas are for people that have not done their research properly, because. Basically, in my career, whenever I've met my actual customer and I'm like watching the Twitter feed, I'm in focus groups, I'm standing in the store, I'm meeting customers, I'm going and playing sport, if that's what I'm doing. Whenever I've been in those roles where I've been frontline, as it were, I don't need personas Mm. because I know exactly who buys. I'm like, there's this person, there's that person. In fact, I could phone them up. I know exactly what they think. I know what they feel. I know what their needs are. And then you get in those positions in, in marketing where someone makes up this. Let's meet Jane. Jane is twenty-five. Jane does yoga. Jane Jane drinks Tia Maria. Jane has this point of view on politics. Mm-hmm. You know, Jane's friends are called Sam, Bob, and Cat. You know, and then you get this kind of like slightly fake imaginary world created. And you sit there and go, I don't think there is actually somebody <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? So now I know I'm being cynical, and you can tell me off. But I kind of think. That is sort of a substitute for actually meeting Jane, right? If you're doing your job and you're meeting Janes and the Bobs and the Sarahs mm-hmm. and the cats, whoever it is, you don't really need to do that. And, and, I, and, I, and so my contention is that actually personas are overrated because they typically replace what people should do, which is actually go out there and meet their customers and be close to them. But I know most people don't think that.
1: So so are you saying that it's not necessarily the fact that they're inaccurate personas it's the fact that they're not doing the right research to work out who they yeah. actually are
0: Yeah. It, you're right. You're right. Okay, so that's a really good clarification. So if so the ones I laugh at are the inaccurate mm-hmm. ones that have been been made up. You just go <laughs> you really are giving marketing a bad name because if you really think that that's how we do marketing that's really embarrassing. The good personas actually all they do is summarise what we know anyway because we know our customers so well. So in in, in job I do now, I could tell you our personas pretty easily, mm-hmm. but but I don't need to make it well because I've done my research. I don't need to make a big song and dance. For I just go, well, we've got the marketing director one, we've got the creative director one, we've got the you know the media buyer one sort of thing. So um, yeah, I tend to find most people that love personas have never met their persona. But
1: why, so why do you say that that's going to be contentious there? Is that because people like using personas uh, because they don't like to do the hard yards?
0: I, I, th- I think so. Yeah, I think it's a... Yes, you're right. I think it's a substitute mm-hmm. for doing the job. And it's like, well, if I can summarize them like this, then you make a job easier and it's going to save them having to do it. And I think it's the fact that there's an over-reliance that that's how your audience actually looks. And one thing I've learned actually over the years is your actual audience is nowhere near what you think it is, right? I mean, you know, you can, you can work on a brand and go, yeah, we're targeting these young, funky urbanites mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. like to go out and drink late tonight. right? You know, everyone wants to do that, right? And then you meet the people that actually buy your brand. You go, oh <laughs> right, so your grandparents, and you're 16, not as cool and you're as I like, <laughs> okay, no. So the persona is who I want to be, not who I actually am. And I'm like, oh okay, right. So so there are so many surprises that happen in life when you actually meet your real customer and really understand them. The persona becomes this thing to hide behind that actually I think stops you doing a really good job, and that's why I'm always a bit contentious with personas to go write me the persona after Mm. you've gone out and met every one of your every one of your customers and really understand them and then i'll be okay but don't start with it because if you start with it you'll make the mother of all assumptions it will be aspirational not real Mm. and it will lead us down the wrong path
1: because i guess as well if you haven't met these people then it's a project a persona is a projection it's got to come from yourself yeah if it's someone that you have never you know met before or from a completely different background you're going to find that very hard to Uh, guess, I guess.
0: Well, well, the the other thing I find as well, I I don't know whether you'd be like this, but you hear people talk about it and you just go, really? Are you sure Mm. they do it like that? Are you sure they really care about the bit of this brand that does this? Most people don't care about our brands, right? Most people really don't care. They might buy us, they might not buy us. They spend more time buying our competitor brands than they do buying our brands, right? But generally speaking, people care a lot less than we think. And most, you know, as marketing science will tell you, Most of your sales come from people that don't buy you very often, don't care about you very much, and are mostly spending their money on other things, right? And when you know that, you realize you should care about those people, not the people that love you, buy you anyway, and are not going to change, because those people are already one. Mm -hmm. So focus on the people to convince that, you know, are not your persona, your anti-persona. You make
1: it sound like some kind of unrequited relationship in a way, which I guess it kind of is. Um, (laughs) But let's...
0: Do you know what it probably is?
1: <laughs> but let's move on to to the good news then, and what we think is is underrated. I was just about to say I'm getting confused. You've confused me. I my know. Sorry, the unders and overs
0: we're we're, were were getting me. Yeah. Sorry <laughs> right. about this. Okay, we're going to go underrated, which is the yes. good news. Okay, underrated, and this is where I'm going to try and seamlessly bring us back into our uh, Super Bowl oh, very good. chat so earlier. Job, is is brand mascots right now? Brand mascots, I'm going to say brand mascots are not cool, right? I get it. I get it, right? You know, I've done marketing for a lot of time. I don't think I've ever sat there and go, I'm going to create a character for my brand. That's the thing I need. So I get that, right? It's not cool. Um, you know, we all want to do something that's a bit more appealing than brand mascots, which feels sort of like the 1970s. You know, everyone quotes brand mascots and they think about, I don't know, the Hoffmeister bear or something. Kinds of cereal so. boxes. Yeah.
1: Tony the Tiger. Yeah, exactly. Like
0: Tony, it's brilliant. That's exactly, that's perfect. And there'd be exactly, that'd be my favorite one growing up, Frosties. I loved it, right? So there's something about mascots seem like something we've all grown out of, mm-hmm. right? The science tells us something completely different. And if you look at the meerkats, you look at Churchill the dog and you look at Eminem's characters. This is why it's getting under mm-hmm. my skin about the Sid Bowl story. They are almost the biggest hack that any brand can use. And I'll tell you for why. Because mascots done well, make you feel something. Mm-hmm. They make your brand famous and they make your brand remembered, right? Going back to the little model from earlier. This is the thing that people don't understand. And then actually what characters do... And this is, the, the, I'm going to do my little performance marketing pivot here. So let, let, let's see if I can get some extra points off. You. Um, what mascots brilliantly do is connect all your media together. So, for example, if you're Churchill the dog, you might see Churchill skating a skateboard on TV. You see Churchill pop up on your feed with a, oh, yes, you know, giving you your insurance <laughs> quote. You've connected the two things together. <laughs> it, that was a bad impersonation. It took me a <laughs> so, while well to close that like, I was actually. I, I got it. <laughs> I got to edit this and that. Oh, yes or something anyway second well, not so much better than the first anyway where was I was like so performance wise what we learn is that actually the online and the activation marketing does as well as the brand marketing because people connect the two things together they go they go ah oh, I've recognized that I feel good about it there's churchill I'm going to do something as well so it's the ability to connect those dots mm-hmm. together which is the uh, the magical thing about brand mascots that no one realizes I mean-
1: yeah, I mean, when you think about it, it is genius because if it wasn't a uh, a brand mascot, say it was a celebrity, which a lot of people do, uh, you know, use instead. A, the celebrity is seen by people first as a celebrity rather than the, I don't know, promoting the brand or whatever they're doing, the partner. Whereas, yeah, a brand mascot, real or not is only related to the brand now that that's the kind of link isn't it
0: there you go you've got it
1: like i'm in a masterclass.
0: <laughs> you are okay <laughs> game time for sunday right how many brands are going to have serena williams or ryan Reynolds in their ads mm. right so then this is the problem because actually the most well-known celebrities get used quite a few times so when i think of serena williams and an advert i'm going oh is it nintendo or is it uh you know whatever else she's been in so You're absolutely right. The attribution from a brand connection point of view can get muddy. So if you're going to use celebrities and that's an option, you've got to find a way that it's authentically linked to your brand. So when people think Ryan Reynolds, Mm -hmm. they go aviation gin. I get that because it's his own brand, so he can do it. But that's the trick. But creating your own mascot is genius because it costs you nothing. There is there is no usage fee. There's no big celebrity thing. And and it works because it's only Mm. yours. Right. And, and that's why, actually, if I had to choose every time I would invent my own character. I mean,
1: they must be laughing. People that spend, you know, six figures plus on getting a you know celebrity to partner and then they've just gone and doodled something.
0: Can you, can you imagine <laughs> being that as well? Like getting to that point where people go, I'm going to pay you a million quid to turn up for 30 seconds in an ad and say a lie. Yeah. I mean, life's made, isn't it? Right. If you're in that oh God, position. I
1: wish. I wish. I'm a bit of a failed actor myself. So I sometimes I think, oh.
0: There's still time. Don't (laughs) worry. You've got plenty of time. It it can happen. Once the pod blows up, it'll be incoming.
1: But now it's time to hear about your best practice. And let's talk about a Super Bowl campaign that you thought was the most exciting, most memorable and how it got other people's attention.
0: Mm. Right. Now, as a bit of a uh, Super Bowl advertising geek, not a Super Bowl geek, a Super Bowl advertising <laughs> geek, as you know, I don't it know, know how much the, about the, how football. the game works,
1: but <laughs> I don't know how
0: the game went, but I can tell you about the halftime ads. Right. Um, the, my favorite of all time is It's a Tide ad. And the reason I love it is that what Tide did very cleverly is spoofed the whole genre of Super Bowl ads. So what they did is they created an ad that took the mickey out of the spice the old spice ad the good looking guy with mm-hmm. the white t-shirt and then the tide spokesman was on the back of a horse mimicking the ad with the actor going a man in white t-shirt looking clean that's a tide ad and what they did is they appropriated every other super bowl ad as if it's their own so whenever you see clean clothes they go that's a tide ad that's nice. a tide ad so i the genius thing about it was it was funny it was emotive it was it it links to the brand but cleverly they made every other ad on super bowl night a tied mm. ad sort of thing and i have to say that's the probably the super bowl tactic that i've looked at and went that was absolute genius that is how to do it if you can if you can disrupt the whole genre mm-hmm. and also they're playing with us because they know the super bowl is is when all the ads try and make their best work and if you're going to surp it in some clever way while being funny then that's really clever. So that was definitely the best. That one. is
1: so clever. It's the way like you said it's the 80 ads that they're competing against to be the most memorable just monopolize them all. I mean,
0: can you imagine the brief? How do we make all the 80 ads into our ads? Yeah. Like that's the most stupid brief or, or crazy brief mm-hmm. ever, right? Mm-hmm. And they did it. They let's say let's make every ad about us. I'm just like whoever came up with that I just thought genius. I mean, I
1: mean those ads you are the ultimate it. attention seekers, aren't they? Well, they're all trying to be anyway um and i mean how many people can remember maybe five out of 80 if you people were asked at the end
0: that's about right yeah i do 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 that survey by the way and it's between five and seven so you're right guessed it straight away (laughs) we (laughs) are on it oh that's a win for me
1: (laughs) let's finally get to the last question which has been this
0: this is the big most anticipated question In... in podcast history
1: in podcast history, well, because for the listeners, this has been this has been a mere, uh, you know, five second musical interlude since the last question. But for us, it's been a few days.
0: No pressure on the final question now.
1: I know. Well, this, this <laughs> is the thing. The final question is my favourite question. So, and it, this is where I really do sit back and relax because it is mm. the the infamous resell me a pen challenge taken from Wolf of Wall Street's Sell me a pen, but we have asked you to resell an outdated. Object no longer used and retarget it to a modern audience of today. And this um object that we've chosen was actually chosen for you by our last guest from Alessandra Zender, who's the general manager at SoulFresh UK. And she has chosen for you a monocle.
0: She I, I was going to thank her, but honestly, <laughs> talk <laughs> about a tough brief. <laughs> I
1: know I know I was quite I was, I was quite interested I didn't expect her to go that way um and I thought that's a good one I'm keeping that one in so I'm getting out my 60 second timer and when you are ready John resell me a monocle
0: okay ladies and gentlemen here we go so when I say monocle what comes to mind I'm guessing that maybe an an inspector somebody that's looking into discovering the truth. Now, let me pose you one question. What is the biggest threat to our society right now? Could it be misinformation? Could it be hate online where we divide society? We, we, we're at war with each other. Could it be that that eventually turns into real wars and that society will break down because we no longer value the truth? Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the monocle. Reinvented. The monocle is going to replace Google. So we won't be going to Google for our biased information. We won't be going to our Facebook feed to see what people we didn't follow think of what we thought last week and trying to lead us down paths to destruction. My friends, I give you the eye of truth. The monocle will distinguish what is real and what isn't and will serve up the truth.
1: In time. Wow. I didn't get
0: my I didn't get my performance marketing, but I thought search was about as performance marketing... As one can get. As,
1: yes, I so mean it was. was a, it
0: wasn't quite a performance marketing campaign, but it was a performance marketing tool, perhaps. So I hope.
1: <laughs> I'm in, I'm really impressed with that. I'm not going to say it was because he had a couple of extra days.
0: <laughs> that had nothing to do with it at all. No, it was nothing. already in the first time obviously. Yeah,
1: yeah. But the, the technical fault was John just <laughs> scribbling away, <laughs> brainstorming.
0: Exactly. Oh,
1: I'm impressed. I really am. Actually, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want to be too kind today, but that. was... <laughs> That was, that was great. I, you know, bringing it back to Google. And I also thought it's actually quite a nice name for a a tool or something, isn't it? The monocle Google. I think so. I quite like that. I think so. And and
0: look, just to prove something to you, the AI machine is listening to us because, and and you're not going to believe this. I'll send you the screenshots, right? After we had the conversation in my LinkedIn feed was a post from my brother about the magazine called monocle no yes really uh-huh th-
1: th- see this is the thing i get so creeped out by all this they're listening in and the ads and things because sometimes i genuinely feel like i just think things and then suddenly <laughs> come up
0: weirdly this 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 a, a, a friend of mine who works in deep tech proper proper mm-hmm. tech you know building the 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 you know the, the algorithms themselves told me that apparently now this sounds sci-fi, but apparently our thought you can measure our thoughts, you know, the brain activity, thought patterns, Mm -hmm. they're developing warfare, like uh, weapons that are so sensitive that they respond to your thought because it can detect, you know, the brainwaves, what's going on. You can send a signal to a machine to do something without saying or doing anything because of what you think. Now I don't know if that's true. I was told that from a very very reliable source, an incredibly reliable source, somebody who mm-hmm. really knows their their stuff. And 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 they, and they were like, "Look, you can't," and he says talking about it. You know, you know, I can't quote the company or the or the project <laughs> that they were doing, obviously. But mm. I just thought, "Oh, really? Can we do stuff like that?"
1: Well, it it gives me sight, goosebumps, shivery, not it scares me. I I must admit. I mean, I was reading something today about a guy um using chat gbt he wrote a university essay with it and passed no um, uh,
0: well i mean to be hat off to him right i mean that's that's kind of that's got to be the trick now university dissertation on the future yeah, of yeah. something or other chat GPT. gbt written by yeah 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 ChatGBT. yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah um, although I don't, I don't know if you saw google's current uh uh, this morning, breaking news. So that they they got it. They apparently got an answer wrong on Chat GPT in a live demonstration, and 120 billion dollars was wiped off the company.
1: Oh,
0: it does go to show, doesn't it, how you know it has to work. It really mm. has to work. Um, but I guess all technology starts with some sort of failure, doesn't it? Like it's Dyson's 7,000 attempts to get the mm. you know the bagless Hoover, and it was the you know 7,001 until actually he got it, and then that became the thing that took off.
1: Yeah and I think I heard it being discussed in uh the, the nudge podcast um about falling in love with AI and how AI is a it's an easy solution but it's you it's easy over excellence
0: you get things right you get things wrong I'm I'm a massive AI cynic right so chat gpt I'm like yeah yeah we, it, this is just like Google search with a bit more effort. It's gonna be a fad. We'll all try it out for five minutes. It'll become the next NFT, which was the Mm -hmm. next whatever the thing before that, and it'll it'll die a death. But actually now now I've actually tested it in reality, I'm like, it's pretty good. And 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 what we have today won't be the best it is, of course, because everything improves, doesn't it, every 18 months or whatever. Mm. So imagine in two years' time how good the AI could be. Um so yeah, I'm being converted, I think.
1: Well, John we have finally finally come to the end of the episode Uh, and thank you so so much for being a guest this whole week it feels like Um, but I hope we have satisfied your attention seeking desires
0: I have to say just to end on um, you gave my colleagues a lot of a giggle when I told them I was appearing on this show because they were like John you attention seeker no, no. so I'm like okay all right
1: well you're, you can look out for your 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 badge in the post your little thank
0: you My might
1: turn it into a trophy just, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll
0: upgrade my blue peter badge to an mm-hmm. attention mm-hmm. seeker badge oh, yeah yeah, yeah
1: this is this is the blue peter for the for the adult generation <laughs> yeah well cheers John thank you my pleasure if you enjoyed today's podcast please share on your socials tell your friends leave us a review and don't forget to all importantly subscribe so you will be the first to know when we have our next episodes coming out and subscribe on our website at performancemarketingworld.com and thank you all for listening and for giving us your attention i hope you will join me next time with our next
0: attention-seeking guest